Hello, friends. I'm JP. And I'm Drew, and you're listening to the Broken But Beautiful podcast, where we talk about why church is still worth it. So a couple years ago, I turned 40. And for all of my adult life, I've been a minister. I worked with churches, I teach, I preach. I visit people in the hospital, I coordinate efforts to serve the poor, I do all the normal weddings, funerals, all that stuff. Uh, And honestly, I've never been at a trendy or edgy church, more like the normal ones you drive by every day. And for the most part, I've found a lot of meaning in it. But I've increasingly faced a dynamic. In casual conversations, when I meet people, the conversation often turns to, so what do you do? And when I say, I'm a minister, I get a reaction. Okay, so, so 20 years ago, this, these were the reactions I would normally get. People would say stuff like, oh, that's great. You know, I need to get back in church myself. Or, oh, man, that, that's great. Like, I'm a big church person. Or sometimes people would confess sin to me, which was always interesting. <laughs> uh, and every now and then, it was rare, but every now and then, I would just kind of get an awkward silence. But over time, the reactions I get to the, hey, I'm a minister, um, they've changed. And these are the type of reactions I get now. Uh, people say stuff like, I, I go to church, but I think I'm thinking about looking for a new one. Or people say, you know, why do Christians believe this or do this? And then they'll give me some article or something they've seen on social media and kind of want me to respond for all questions. And it's normally, it's normally kind of angst-ridden. And then frequently, when I tell people I'm a minister, they tell me about pain and they tell me about trauma in their experience of church. They'll say stuff like, oh, I used to go to church, but this happened and that happened. This happened to me. This happened to my family member. And and friends, I got to say, this type of thing happens to me every single week. And it makes me wonder what's going on. Like, why has this dynamic changed so much in just the last couple of decades? So it was a couple of years ago, around the time I was turning 40, and I guess that's a time in life you do a lot of reflection. And, and I met with a younger friend for a cup of coffee, and, and like me, he's a minister. And as we talked, we were sharing some experiences. And eventually he asked me, JP, why have you done it? And I don't remember him saying these words exactly, but the tone was very much this, is it worth it? Is church worth it? And I spent that entire summer thinking about it. And for sure, I had a quick, reflexive, instinctual answer, but I felt like it was important to go deeper. Church, do you think it's worth it? And I thought about that all summer. When I woke up in the morning, I thought about it. When I went to bed, I thought about it. When I was out running, I thought about it. When I was just driving the car, I thought about it. Why have I done this? Is it worth it? And the more I thought about it, the more I talked to others and I would ask others, not only other ministers, but just all of us that participate in church. And the more I talked to others, the more interesting things got. And all this led me to write a book, which came out this past November, Broken But Beautiful, Why Church Is Still Worth It. For me, the answer to that question has been really personal. It all goes back to my childhood, like a lot of us with a lot of things. 
And it goes back to my childhood trauma, specifically the death of my mother and my search for stability, my search for community, my search for family. And as my biological family experienced a deep void, the church stepped in to help raise me. The church was like my family. And so some of my greatest joys have come around church. But I got to be honest, some of the lowest lows of my life have come around churches too. I find church to be really messy. I find church to be hard. I find church to be challenging. I mean, most of you know this intuitively, all right, churches can major in minors, churches can get bogged down in trivial things. And then other times when like you have really important change that needs to happen, it needs to happen quickly, and yet churches can move so slow. Church people can be gross, immature, petty, fickle, and even wicked, sinful. Some of the greatest evils in world history have been perpetuated by the church the Crusades, the Inquisition, slavery, segregation. And we're all still reeling from all the revelations of abuse in churches that have come out over the last 20 years. It's easy to point to all the brokenness of church. You know, for me personally, my trauma happened outside the church, and then I found safety and family inside the church. But for some good friends of mine, their trauma happened inside the church. They didn't have my experience with church, and therefore, they eventually walked away. Which, under those circumstances, you can understand why someone would walk away. But then there's that dynamic, if I walk away, I'm missing all the good stuff, too. Because with church, there's bad stuff, but there's also some good stuff. And in my life, there's been some really amazing things that have happened alongside church. You know, looking back, I've spent my entire life connected to normal, run-of-the-mill churches. I grew up at a normal church. It was probably three or 400 people. If you'd driven past it, nothing would have stood out. We met in a normal brick building. We had one of those old signs where you could put up a, the sermon title or like a cliche message such as CH dash dash CH, what's missing? <laughs> if you'd visit a service, very little would have stood out. We sang hymns, we took communion, a kind, generous preacher told Reader's Digest type stories and encouraged us with the Bible, with scripture, and from an outside perspective, it probably would have looked very ordinary. Yet for me, it was anything but, for it was family. When I walked into my church building, I walked into a room full of uncles and aunts. In fact, I called many of them by those names, despite no blood relation. Everyone knew my name, and I knew their names. People smiled when they saw me, and I loved being there. My buddies and I, we'd run around, we'd play games, we'd wrestle, we'd play Nerf football, all the things you do as kids. And often the adults would go out in the, the vestibule, <laughs> that's a church word for it, they'd go out in the vestibule after worship, and we'd throw bouncy balls in the auditorium. You remember these little balls from like the late 80s, early 90s? And we would try to splash it in the baptistry. And I remember if, if you banked it in, it would be like one point. But if you get a clear throw in that didn't hit the wall and it, you could hear the splash, you'd get five points. <laughs> I remember an older member, Mr. Gifford, this would make him so mad. He would go in there, he would grab the ball, kind of scold us and walk out. But yet even then, like 
we knew he loved us. We knew he cared about us. My childhood consisted of church potlucks, church cookouts, and church camp. I learned to hit the potluck line early before the Kentucky Fried Chicken ran out. I messed around with my friends and drank entirely too much Kool-Aid. And on summer nights at church camp, we'd sing under the stars. And it all felt so perfect, like the Garden of Eden. And I remember a song called Holy Father, Grant Us Peace. I haven't sang that in so long, but we'd sing it right before bed. And I don't know how we sounded, but to my childish ears, it sounded like angels. Because surprising to me, God was granting me peace. I missed my mom, and yet I had my people. I felt welcome. If you've ever wondered what it's like to grow up with hundreds of people that think you're awesome and hug you weekly, I can tell you, it's pretty incredible. In fact, to this day, I feel most welcome and comfortable with the church. And that's probably one of the reasons I became a minister and why I've worked with churches the last 20 years. But I recognize not everyone's had my experience. And some of the experiences are pretty bad, even dark. So how do we navigate all this? For those who want to follow Jesus, want to follow Jesus in community, how can you do that with others in a way that maximizes the good and minimizes the bad? In writing the book the last two years, these conversations became more and more common. And I began to sense a real need for more space for these conversations where we can name the good and name the bad, but then kind of work it all out together. So one of my one of my conversation partners, one of my friends in all this, it's been my friend Drew Clark, and we've talked about this between us often and along with our wives. We had a conversation with his church on this, and we got to thinking, what would it be like to enlarge this conversation? Uh, how can we create a space where people can freely name and be honest and process the herd of church, but at the same time, foster an environment that moves beyond cynicism, beyond sarcasm, that can embrace healing? How can we be honest about the bad and yet boldly name, even embrace the good? And so I'm excited. I'm excited to have Drew with me uh, as we embark on this new podcast. Yeah, when I first heard JP talk about the content from his book, uh, I was immediately hooked and even brought to tears. Uh, I, like JP, have grown up around church Uh, I'm a minister myself, uh, and I long for people to see just the beauty that's in church. Not everybody experiences rainbows and butterflies when they're around church. Um, And I've felt this longing to stir the conversation among other people about why church is still worth it, even when it's difficult. And so uh, when JP said he was going to start a podcast, uh, I said, hey, uh, I'm going to join you on the podcast, and he graciously accepted. Uh, And that's where we find ourselves today, sitting in his basement recording this trailer of a podcast. Uh, And the more that JP and I engage in these conversations with other people, the more brokenness we hear about, and at the same time, the more beauty we hear about. And so those are the stories that we believe should be shared. We, We want to help others on their own journey of discovering the beauty and belonging to church. Uh, And so in this podcast, we'll hear stories and interviews and conversations based on this title of his book, Broken But Beautiful, Why Church is Still Worth It. So if you're listening to this trailer, we hope that you'll join us as we release new episodes beginning in January of 2021. And if you can't wait until then, you can buy a copy of JP's book. 
So the publisher of my book is Wiffenstock Publishing. You can buy the book on their website. You can also buy it on Amazon. There's a paperback version, a Kindle version. And the thing I'm most excited about with the project is all the author royalties go to Room of the Inn, which is a ministry in Nashville, been around since the mid 80s. Uh, that serves and empowers the homeless community. And it's one of the, it's probably one of the best examples that I've been around, certainly one of the best examples in our city of the beauty of church and churches coming together uh, for the common good. And so uh, I encourage you to search out Room in the Inn and, and find ways to support them. We're glad you're tuning in with us today. We hope that you'll keep on the journey with us. And uh, JP, I'm excited to do this podcast with you. Can't wait. Thank you.